It's uh, letting the uh, gods know there's a visitor. After coming halfway around the world, we're hungry to smell the cooking, see the sights, and hear the voices like those of the monks of the Gondon Buddhist monastery. It's been a long flight, we're disoriented, and the chants spin us like a prayer wheel. Though it's the middle of the afternoon, jet lag triggers a yawning epidemic in our group. As we leave the monastery, Biomba, our guide and translator, hands us seed to feed the pigeons, an exercise for good karma. Next morning, we all pile into four vans and bounce along past railroad yards with retired Trans-Siberian locomotives replete with red Soviet stars on the grillwork. We're headed to Genghis Khan's ancient capital of Karakorum. Just outside Ulaanbaatar, the road deteriorates to a mass of potholes. Mongolian techno music on the radio seemed fitting in the blocky Soviet-style city, but now it's out of place on the endless grass steppe. I can't help wondering how American cowboy music will sit with the musical landscape of this ancient and very faraway place. Arizona cowboy and singer Gail Steiger wonders the same thing. I worry about how our music is going to fit in. I mean, the kind of stuff that I do, I'm not, I don't consider myself to be a good musician. I can, you know, it's kind of a purveyor of ideas, and if the language doesn't translate, you kind of think, well, what else do I have? We're getting into the rhythm of the road, which has become a braid of dirt tracks. Each driver aims for the smoothest path as they race one another across the plain. After nine hours, we see what looks like mushrooms dotting the landscape. It's our first camp. Typical nomadic homes. The Mongolians call them gares, the Russians, yurts. After dinner, we're treated to a performance by a musical quartet dressed in embroidered silk robes of blue, gold, and red with a ubiquitous Mongolian beanie with a pointy beacon on top. They play the Mongolian national instrument, the Morinhor, a two-stringed affair with a horse's head carved into the peg head. And my favorite, a reed instrument that curves around the player's neck made from yak horns. We learn it's a song about missing a mother who's far away herding and milking her animals. And as the musicians play, their eyes hint at the melancholy of this lament. Eight hundred years ago, Genghis Khan took troops of performers on his conquests, including musicians, dancers, and contortionists. Tonight, this troupe brings out a 14-year-old girl who wills her body into a dozen different rope tricks. And then the group breaks into a version of John Denver's Take Me Home Country Roads, complete with throat singing. By the end of the show, we are all speechless.
Our American guide, Linda Svensson, gets up and through a translator asks the performers. So would they, um, would they be interested in hearing a couple songs from uh, our uh, cowboy performers? I wonder why all the cowboys are looking at their feet. Ron Kane and his sidekick Bruce Stanger reluctantly pick up the fiddle and banjo and play a tune or two. Later, Ron called it the most faded, faded love he's ever been part of. Who knows why the Mongolians were so musical tonight and the Americans weren't? Was it embarrassment, shyness, or just being unprepared for the moment? I'm told that every time a musician plays, it's an act of faith. Will it be music or will it be noise? I found Ron later. I just sort of feel like, you know, how the coach would feel if he says, okay, get out there, you guys, and you've been practicing this, and now we're going to go for victory, you know, and it's like somebody wasn't trying very hard. And not only trying very hard, but it's just like, take me out, you know. And this dismayed me. And then I went away. <laughs> well, those Mongolians kicked our ass tonight. <laughs> Gail Steiger caught the whole thing on videotape. I don't believe music is a competitive sport. But, but if it would have been. <laughs> if it would have been, yeah. We, we, were, we were toast. <laughs> we were dust. It's time to pack up the instruments. But there's something going on over in the corner. Montana rancher and musician Stephanie Davis is learning that beautiful tune from the horn player. Suddenly they became people. They went from being exotic foreigners to fellow musicians and brothers and so it just blew my hair back. It just makes me see how narrow my focus has been, probably most Americans. There, there's a big old world out here of great music. Generally, these guys are trained to be mild. The next morning, it's time to switch from seat belts to saddles. But first, a lesson on riding these sturdy little Mongolian horses. And to, to go, you say, chew, chew. that's like, that's like giddy up. So you'll hear him doing it a lot. Bye bye. Thank you. That was superb. Five days on horseback, riding and camping looms before us. But that doesn't seem to matter. Distance is now measured by the next hill to cross and time by the slant of the autumn sun. This is a dream come true. It's like, it doesn't get any better than this. <laughs> I saw cattle, I saw yaks, I saw camels for the first time, goats, sheep, and the no fences is amazing. Kind of a cowboy fantasy. We were almost a couple of horses short this morning because in the night rustlers came in and boosted two of our ponies. It's called Gingla, and uh, it's performed by the um, riders, all kids from age 6 to 11. 
And so while they're warming up the horses, they do this encouraging or inspiring sign for the horses. We're looking at heaven is what my idea of heaven anyway. We're looking out at these beautiful hills of many colors and herd after herd of horses. We're being spoiled, enjoying fresh vegetables, a rarity out here. And our hosts are going easy on such Mongolian favorites as fermented mare's milk and unidentified mutton parts. We settle into an easy, good-natured relationship with our hosts, the horses, and the landscape. The music is turned from performance to something more akin to conversation. And it's not just the music that's different. There's something different about the way it's used like the kids singing to their horses before the race. The early morning sun catches an old woman's red silk robe as she milks a black shaggy yak in a field nearby. The milk pulses into her pail like a drum. This is the sound when the mother yak needs to um, feed the baby one and just to give them more love and yeah, it's like a lullaby song for the animals. <laughs> she sang after she sang. It's, now it's going really well. You can hear the sound. It finally dawns on me. Music here is inseparable from life. The song simply relaxes the yak so she'll let her milk down. There's no performance in the singing. Its purpose is specific. I find myself longing for a musical language that's been lost to most of us. It's the last night on the step, and the days in the saddle are almost over. And the cowboy musicians are determined to make music serve yet another purpose. Would you be my friend, and I'll be yours, we'll ride around as long as we can. Help me out with this. Let's have a verse. My little verse goes like this. Soon the group will make the arduous drive back to Ulaanbaatar, where the cowboys will give a farewell concert at the capital's newest night spot, the Genghis Khan Irish Pub. Tonight at camp, they decide it's time to make a new song. Well, let's do it, and then let's do it at our big show, you know. <laughs> Can I, I want to throw in my, may your horses never fall and may your grass always grow tall. Oh, is that, oh, is that okay? No, and then they decide this song of friendship should be sung both in English and Mongolian. So here's what we got so far, and you can correct me. I need, a, I need a paper and pen. As okay, if on cue, Biomba shows up just in time for the brainstorm. Hey, Jimmy, and then Mongolian version for uh, friendship thing can be... It seems so effortless for him to switch back and forth, not only in language, but in culture. And it makes me wonder what this exchange has been like for the Mongolians. One of our horse guides, Sae, has won our hearts with his boisterous songs and antics, like the time he squatted under a horse and tried to pick it up on his back. 
He invites me into his gear, out of the chilly morning breeze. Two years ago, Saye met many of us when he was part of a group that visited Nevada. I ask him about this reunion, this time on his native soil. He answers with a smile. I smile back and wonder what he's saying. Then there's a small change in his voice. His eyes well up and his lips quiver in the dim light. I don't need to wait for the translation to know that in this very foreign place, we have made a very dear friend. For NPR News, I'm Hal Cannon from the wild west of Mongolia.